0: Well, happy new year! I know you've heard that phrase a lot today, and obviously, I suppose, last couple of days, but from me to you, a very, very blessed 2020. Amen. And may it really be a a wonderful year. We'll talk a bit more about new year next Sunday again. I think this Sunday, next Sunday, we're kind of laying a, a foundation. For this new year, and like you heard, next Sunday, do not miss our first communion service. We're going to be spending a lot of time praying as well for a number of things around the church, and so um, do not miss. Well, it's the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new decade as well, eh? And uh, I'm sure you're all, you know, starting this year full of hope that... uh, your dreams will turn into realities and that goals will be achieved. I hope that's how you're starting this year. Amen? And whether you're studying, working, making plans, starting a family, new seasons in your life, I know all of us will be, in one way or another, enjoying new seasons in our lives this year. And uh, no doubt it will be a year of victories. But also, no doubt that you are going to have to fight for some of those victories, huh? You- you might as well go, amen, okay, because the victories, kind of, they don't just kind of fall from heaven, you know, you've you, you got to do a little bit as well. You've got to do some fighting, maybe some praying, maybe some extra work, maybe some, something that you have to put in, some effort you have to put in to obtain those victories. And there are many attributes that makes people victorious, makes someone a victorious person. Whether it's in a competitive sport, whether it's in academics, in studies, whether it's at work, whether, no matter where it is, even in your Christian faith, to be victorious in your Christian faith, there's one trait that distinguishes the champions from the others. And that characteristic is one's attitude. One's attitude. One of the most important keys to being a winner this year has to do with your attitude. We're going to be talking today about winning practices. But this morning's message is really more about attitude. I want to start this year, I want all of us to start this year, not just me, all of us, to start this year with a winning attitude. Amen? Are you okay with that? (laughs) I know some of of us kind of ended the year well. Some of us kind of ended the year like, "Mm." But no matter where you are, I want you to start the year with a winning attitude. If you're good, let's get better. If you're not so good, let's get out of that and become victorious. No matter where you are in life, let's trust that God is going to help us to be victorious. Amen. And there are some, some, some practices that kind of undergird and support our attitude. And that's why I'm talking about practices today, because there are some things that you can do, that you can practice, that kind of sustain a winning attitude. But before we talk about the practices, let's talk about attitude a little bit this morning. What is attitude? Let's look at a definition of attitude. Here it is. It's a predisposition or a tendency to respond positively or negatively towards a certain idea, or a certain object, or a certain person, or a certain situation. Attitude influences an individual's choice of action and his responses to challenges, incentives, and rewards. And these challenges, incentives, and rewards they are together called stimulus. In other words, an attitude is a predisposition that you have towards something. Whether that something is a situation, whether that something is a person, whether that something is a thing, an event, when you approach that thing, you can have a predisposition. That predisposition can be positive and open, or that it can be negative and and, and avoiding it. And we all have attitudes towards certain things, you know. If I were to flash some things on the screen, certain photos of certain leaders, maybe political leaders, if I were to flash uh, certain objects on the screen, some would go, ah! Others would go, hmm. Oh. <laughs> you wouldn't even have to think about it. It's, it's, it's a response. And that's when I, it's, a, it's a predisposition. Here's another definition. A 1935 Definition. So people have been thinking about this for a long time. Okay, in 1935, this is a definition which was proposed. An attitude is a mental and neural state of readiness, organized to experience, exerting a direct or dynamic influence upon the individual's response to all objects and situations which it is related. Nice and clear, right? I, I, what a catch of a this. Look, it's a it's a mental and neural, like your, your whole nervous system, your, your your whole body kind of responds to certain things. And it's, it's organized through experience. An attitude, you, you, you're not born with attitude, okay? Although when you look at some babies, you think they are. <laughs> but attitude is something you kind of pick up through life. You get exposed to certain experiences, certain people, certain situations, and then you pick up this attitude. Maybe you have a negative experience, and you go, mm. And when you come near something like that, you automatically go, Mm. You don't even think. Because it's a predisposition. It's a mental thing. I I like this 1979 definition. Let's go for the 1979 one. Attitudes are likes and dislikes. I like that. (laughs) All right? Some things you like and some things you don't like. And it's because of your attitude. Okay, it's an attitude towards that. All right? Now... Uh, in flying, you also have attitude in flying. Check this out. In flying, when, when pilots fly, they also talk about attitude. And there it is. Okay? Uh, your, your attitude in flying, it, it is a, the, the, the plane's reference to the horizon. And it determines if the plane will fly straight, if it'll go up, or if it will go down. The attitude of the plane determines the altitude of the plane. And that's why they say in flying, your attitude determines your altitude. Alright, you can either go straight or you go down, you lose your altitude, or you can go up and gain altitude. And strange enough, your attitude determines your Altitude kind of is a parallel to our personal attitudes. And they can determine our altitude in life as well. Whether we are winning or losing. Whether we are on top or at the bottom. Whether situations crush us or become stepping stones for us to go up. Attitude makes all the difference. And so we need to be aware of our own attitudes. So your attitude is your predetermined mental, emotional response to circumstances, events, and people. Now check this out. There are three components to attitudes. And yeah, they are. There are three components. And it's the way you feel about something, the way you behave towards something, and the way you think about something. So an attitude is a combination of those three. It's how you feel about something, how you think about something, and ultimately how you behave towards that something. Now, here's the interesting thing. Researchers have found out, as they've studied this whole situation, they found out that people are not always consistent. Sometimes they can have an attitude towards something in their thinking and their feeling, but their behavior is not consistent with their attitude. That's very really strange. Let me give you an example, or two examples, actually. For example, many people, and I hope all of you fall in this category, many people have a positive attitude towards reading the Bible, amen? How many of you think it is good to read the Bible, amen? All right, okay, now, from now on, don't lift your hands. Just thinking you're here, okay? Okay. <laughs> You think it is good to read the Bible. And, and many people as well have a good feeling. They feel it is great to read the Bible. They feel and they think it is a good thing to read the Bible, right? And yet many of them do not read the Bible every day or regularly or consistently. Hello? So they, they believe. And I, and I mean, I, I, I find this all the time. Pastor, this year, I, I'm really going to read my Bible. Huh? You, you heard about the pastor that went to visit uh, home. And the, the, the lady, she put out her best. She had some, some golden spoons, teaspoons, that she had received in her wedding. you know. And so she put these things out and, and the pastor enjoyed his tea and they all had a lovely meal. And they chatted and then the pastor went home. And um, when the wife was packing things away, she realized one golden teaspoon is missing. Oh, naughty pastor. And she couldn't find the teaspoon. And so they stayed behind her. She didn't want to approach the pastor now, you know. And, but she also, she also didn't want to. And so she kept it. And she discussed, I'm sure our pastor stole our golden teaspoon. How could he? A man of God, a man of the cloth. Anyway, a, a year went by and the pastor came to visit them again and he said my sister before I go today I want to read a portion of scripture can you bring me your bible please and so she brought him his bible and as he opened her bible her golden spoon fell off the bible and the pastor said my dear sister last time I was here I slipped your teaspoon in your bible and we can laugh at that but don't we sometimes find that right as well we believe we should read the Bible. We feel we should read the Bible. But then life happens, doesn't it? And this happens and that happens. And it seems everything is more important than putting everything down and spending five minutes reading the book. Now, hopefully you don't go as long as the lady, a whole year without reading it. But I think all of us can agree we could be reading more. And so it's interesting where, you know, we've got a certain attitude and we think and we feel, but sometimes our behavior doesn't judge. Here's another example. That's an example. Many people know that smoking is bad, and they even feel negative about smoking, but guess what? They smoke. (laughs) How's that? You see, so your attitude is a very strange thing. An attitude should be something which is consistent, thinking, feeling, behaving. And that is why I'm talking to you about this today, because some Christians have a wonderful thinking attitude towards certain stuff or even a a feeling attitude. They want to be winners. They think it'll be great to be winners, but their behavior is not consistent with their thinking and their feeling. And so if we want to be winners this year, we better line up Our thinking, our feeling, and our behaving. And since very often our feeling follows our behavior, let's focus on behavior because attitudes can be changed. We should have positive attitudes towards the things which please God, the things that lift up our lives, the things that help us to succeed in life, the things that help us to help others. And we should have a negative attitude towards things which are against God's will that destroy our lives and hinders us from having success in life and helping others. Amen? You actually have control over what you think and what you do. Your feelings are generally a result of your actions. So today I want to talk about four practices, four things you can do this year which will promote a winning attitude in your life. Our text this morning comes from a letter written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was undoubtedly a man with a winning attitude. As you read about his life and then you read his letters, you realize that no matter the obstacle or the opposition, this guy just kept pressing on with his life's mission and he ended well. He said, I have fought the good fight, he said towards the end of his life. Like Paul, you and I, we can also press on with our God-given life mission. Live lives that make a difference and finish well. As a follower of Christ, you sit here this morning, excuse me, you sit here this morning having been miraculously saved. Come on, your salvation was a miracle. Amen. It was a work of God. Amen, you can do that. You can praise God for that. It was a work of God, not of man. And we celebrated that over the Christmas season, remember? We spoke about the supernatural that took place around Christmas. Now, because you have been saved, you have also been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have been transformed from a nobody to a somebody. Yes, because Jesus said, it doesn't matter if a man wants the whole world and loses his soul. But in Christ, you have become somebody. You've become a child of God. You've been bought with a price the precious blood of Jesus and the old things have passed away and like Bible says behold or look at me I've become a new creature you are a new creature I am one of God's champions amen so our text comes from Philippians chapter 4 reading from verse 4 to 9 it's a well-known scripture but let's look at it again with you. Amen. Listen, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. But you must understand one thing. Paul didn't write this sitting in his jacuzzi in his mansion, enjoying the good things of life. Okay? He he didn't write this just after he won the lottery ticket, the big one. All right? Paul wrote this in prison in Rome. From a prison cell. Unsure of his future. When he was writing this letter. He did not know. If he was going to see the end of that day. Or the next day. Any moment he could be executed. But in those four short powerful verses. We, di- we discover four practices. That permit Paul to have a winning attitude in life and it's interesting because as he sat over there he continued with his mission he led some of those prisoners those guards in the prison to Christ he wrote letters to the church as it turned out he was released from prison and he could serve a little longer but let's look at the practices then Let's go to the practices. Practice number one. Four winning practices to have a winning attitude. Practice number one. Practice the praise principle, all right? Verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And that word always in the Greek is a very interesting word, which means always. All the time. When things go good, when things go bad, when things go neutral, when things go up, when things go down, when it rains, when the sun shines, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your circumstances, in the Lord. He's the giver of life, He's the savior, He's the father of eternity, He's everything. So you rejoice rejoicing Him. Rejoice is gladness based on joy, thanksgiving, and praise. It is a form of praise. And last week you heard about, uh, about thanksgiving, which is an eternal practice. And, and this is it here. No matter where you find yourself, rejoice. Find reason to rejoice. Above all, praise God for who he is because he doesn't change. And his greatness will impact you and your circumstance. As you read chapter 4, you will see that Paul had learned this principle in life. No matter the circumstance, his attitude was an attitude of praise. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise is something you do. Determine this year that you'll do more praising and less moaning. More praising and less criticizing. More more praise remarks and less cynical remarks. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for who he is. Praise him for his greatness. And when you praise the Lord, you lose sight of your situation in the greatness of the power and the glory of God. Amen. Practice number two. Practice right praying. Right, praying is praying according to the biblical pattern, and yet it is in this verse as well. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. In the peace of God, we will surpass understanding, walk God, your hearts and minds. God wants us to pray, not just about the major things in life, but about everything. Prayer should be a continuous conversation you have with God. Yes, in your time to you take time apart to cry out and to, and to plead with God. But let prayer be a continuous conversation with God with thanksgiving. You're praying, but you're thanking Him already in advance for He's doing what He's going to do. Paul reminds us that the Lord is near and will return for us in verse 5. And with this in mind, we don't have to worry or freak out about anything but pray. Yeah, sometimes the world around us seems it's it's, it's horrible, hopeless. In God, there is hope. You see, because my future and the future of the universe is in God's hands. And so I don't have to freak out. I can pray and get my peace from him, my joy from him, direction for my life from him. Hope for my future from Him. We don't have to worry about what the future holds if we have confidence in God's ability to answer prayer. It doesn't matter what we face in life. We can have the assurance that we're going to come out as champions because God is in control of everything. Do you believe that? Paul says, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. There is an implied promise in this verse. If we pray about everything and bring our need before the Lord, then we'll experience the peace of God that surpasses our ability to understand it. And I find myself in situations having peace when I wasn't supposed to have peace. You cannot explain it, but it only comes by trusting Him. And only those who experience it will understand it. But that's His promise to us. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds. God is standing a military post to prevent a hostile invasion. Hearts, it's about the deepest part of our being, the inner man. Mind is our thoughts. In other words, when we practice the right praying, God's peace will stand guard over our spirit and thoughts to prevent a hostile invasion of worry. I have seen worry destroy people. Worry will destroy you, give you sleepless nights, give you physical illness. And so the peace of God stands guard to protect this hostile invasion of worry in your life. And if we do not connect with God in this way, there is no human way of stopping that worry from attacking you. This is the only way. The peace of God will protect us. A lack of God's peace gives way to worry. So when your knees start knocking, when you start worrying, when you get afraid and your knees go like this, it's time to put your knees on the floor, man, and pray and pray and seek God until that peace breaks through and it will break through. Amen. Third practice. Practice right thinking. He talks about, finally, my brother, whatever is true, noble, just think on all those wonderful things. He's saying, guys, you control your thoughts. You stop allowing your thoughts to go to all the negative, all the rubbish, all the destructive stuff which this world throws at you. To get you to worry or to get you to turn away from the ways of the Lord. Spend your time with the right thinking, thinking about what is good, what is right. One of the greatest struggles for the believer is to transform their patterns of thought. But in order to maintain a winning attitude, we must diligently practice what? Right thinking. What is right thinking? It is simply thinking in a biblical and from a biblical perspective. We're familiar with Romans 12 too, to allow our minds to be renewed by the the patterns of God's thoughts. Amen. Learn to think from a biblical perspective so you can have a winning attitude attitude, the outcome of your life has largely to do with how you think. As a man thinketh, so is he. So the outcome of your life has a lot to do with how you think, how you process, how you see the world. Let me tell you a story, true story. It happened in 1968. For some of us, that's a long time ago. 1968, October 20, it's the Olympic Games in Mexico City in the Mexico City Olympic Station. It was 7 p.m. They were beginning to switch off the lights. Only a few thousand people remained in the stadium getting ready to leave. They had come to see the end of the 45-kilometer race, which took place all over Mexico City and ended in the Olympic Stadium. The winner had already arrived about an hour ago, and people just hang around to see the others who came through. And they thought no one else would arrive and they were getting ready to go. And suddenly, they heard police sirens and lights at the entrance of the stadium. A lone figure wearing the colors of Tanzania, Africa, yay, entered the stadium. His name was John Stephen Aquari. He was the last man to finish the marathon. His leg bloodied and bandaged. Severely injured in a fall. He was the last man to finish the race. He grimaced with each step. Painful. He hobbled around the 400 meter deck. You see, when he started the race, at the 19 kilometer mark of the 42 kilometer race, there was a jockeying for position. And, and he was bumped. They bumped him. He fell, badly wounding his knee and dislocating that joint. Plus, his shoulder hit the, the, the ground, the pavement, of hard. But he continued running, finishing last among the 57 competitors who finished the race. 75 had started, 18 dropped out, but he refused to be a dropout. I want you to see the video of that last lap and listen to what he's saying in the end. Let's watch this little video clip quickly.
1: John Stephen Akwari of Tanzania approaches the stadium, the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. it was written, today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit. A performance that gives true dignity to sport. A performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games. A performance that gives meaning to the word courage. All honor to John Stephen Akwari of Tanzania. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race.
0: Come on, come on! Eh? Huh? My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Come on. What an attitude, guys. What an attitude. And, and while he was running, after the 19th kilometer, all the way to the stadium, a number of times, the guy said, hey, John, stop it, man. Give it up. He refused to give up. And he continued. I mean, I'm watching this thing. I can almost feel the pain. You know, Those of you who are runners, you'll understand that, you know. What an attitude, and it teaches us to get up again. The book of Proverbs says, even if, if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. It's not the falling that's a problem, it's the staying down that's a problem. We must get up and continue the race. God never destined you to be a failure, just like with John. God did not put you on this planet to start a race, but to finish. In champion-like form. Come on. So let's finish this race to the glory of God. Amen. And that was Paul's way of thinking. So he never quit. Even in prison. Knowing he could be executed anytime. He continued with his mission. By writing letters and preaching to the guards. And winning some of them for Christ. As it turns out, Paul was released and continued his ministry for some time. At the end, he could say like John Aquari. I have finished the race. Right thinking is what separates winners from whiners. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear how bad you've got it and how nothing ever goes your way and woes me. That's stinking thinking. It's time to stop feeding the beast of worry through unbiblical speech and thoughts. that start taking, And start taking your thoughts captive and speaking words of life over yourself It's time to take those thoughts of guilt, shame, pride, uselessness, and failure, and handcuff them to the cross. Why only will our attitudes drift, but our hearts will drift along with it. When you think from a biblical perspective, you gain confidence in God and in his word. And by so doing, your attitude changes. Amen. And then finally, number four, practice right living. Notice all of these things, practice. It's things you do. Like right in the beginning when Dio made the opening prayer, she said, let us be doers of the word. And I pray, folks, that this year will be a year of doing the word, practicing the word. Practice right living, verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and so in me, these do. And then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul wasn't saying, guys, don't just read what I write. And think about what I write. He said, do what I did. You saw me doing these things I'm writing to you about. Now, you do them also. Paul started the church in Philippine to put the praise principle in place. to right praying and writing into practice. And these are behaviors which the Philippians had seen and learned from Paul. But they are to follow him in doing it. In order to practice right living we must not only learn from the example of others and from the word of God, but we must receive it, we must embrace it, we must adopt it as part of our living. Amen? Of our behavior. Remember what I said in the beginning about the disconnect we find between people in the matter of attitude? They think it is good, and feel it is good, but they do not practice it. We must be consistent about our winning attitudes. Not only think and feel positive about them, but actually practice them. Why must we practice right living? Because you cannot live a life of repeated sin and have perfect peace. It's impossible. You cannot live a life of sin and be worry-free. It's impossible. Listen, God will not allow you to sin successfully. Hello? Forget it. You cannot sin successfully. When we live right according to God's word and by Christ's example, here Paul makes us another guarantee. The God of peace will be with you. You live right. You think right. You you do these things. And God will be, you will sense his presence with you, guiding you, taking you through stuff. You won't be alone. So in closing this morning, I want to ask you an all important question. What is your attitude like today? What is your outlook on life? Perhaps you are facing tremendous life crisis or maybe you are undergoing a life change that has caused you to have a less than positive attitude. This morning, I challenge you to break through into a new attitude, the attitude of a champion. Let's all choose this morning to have the attitude of a champion. Begin by choosing to live out these four practices this year. There are other things that the Bible teaches us to do and we will look at them as the year unfolds. But choose today to practice what is in these verses and watch as the peace of God as his presence becomes more real in your life. And as a winning attitude develops as a result of activating winning practices in your life practice the praise principle practice right praying practice right thinking practice right living and have a winning attitude and may you be a winner this year for the glory of God amen Amen. so what are you going to do we're going to practice amen practice winning practices amen let's stand up let's close in prayer let's have a moment of prayer and I pray these, these four simple things will be a challenge to you. That you're not going to go home and say, oh, that was nice. <laughs> but that you'll go home and, and actually start planning. How are you going to put them into practice? How are you going to practice the, the praise principle all the time? How are you going to implement right prayer in your life? How are you going to adjust your attitude to have the right attitude in your life? And spend time before God and say, Lord, what do I need to change in my behavior, in my living, that I can live right for you. Let's close our eyes. Father God, I've delivered the word to those who are listening here, those listening this recording. And Father, each one of us now has to process this word, Lord. And I pray that like me, everyone listening to this message will make a decision to give proper attention to these four practices and make sure we practice them this year diligently, Lord God. That we practice them intentionally this year, Lord God. So that we may develop and sustain a winning attitude. I thank for every life here present, every home represented here. Everyone listening to this message, you know each one's realities, Lord. You know there where there are attitudes which are still a bit mixed. There is a positive thinking towards it or feeling, but the practice is not there. In other areas, thinking needs to be changed and become aligned with the word of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll speak to each one of us. And wherever we are carrying an attitude which is not in line with your will, wherever we are carrying an attitude which is harmful to us and to others, Holy Spirit, please shine your light on that thing and help us to align it with your word. Help us to change it. Help us to change our behavior, our thinking, our feeling. And place it according to your will, according to your word. And so I pray your blessing upon everyone listening to this measure, Lord God. And help us this year to really have winning attitudes, to become winners in 2020. Not because of what the year brings, Lord, but because of what you bring to our lives, because of our positioning as we position ourselves to receive your blessing, to receive your favor, to be under, Lord God your umbrella of protection because we are doing your will. And so I pray now, Father, that the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be upon each one of us, Lord, as we seek to implement these practices that will lead us to have winning attitudes, Lord God, and that this year will be a year of winning to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Remember, let's be here next Sunday. Come on, give God the glory. Go ahead. Yeah. And join us next Sunday for our communion service. And we're going to be some praying, some getting together. An important service. See you next Sunday. God bless you.